welcome to another episode of A Novel Evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at Blotted Ink Books. And this week I'm joined by the author of one of my top reads of this year so far. Uh, the Flames is a historical fiction novel that focuses on the four muses of Egon Schiele. Um, if you haven't seen his work, he is a creator of beautiful yet grotesque slightly frightening a little bit disturbing but beautifully rendered uh, portraits of women as well as self-portraits that were for the time considered incredibly shocking um, and she has written a glorious novel that focuses on four of the main women in his life and basically gives a voice back to those women um, I adored it it is undoubtedly one of, possibly one of the top reads in historical fiction I've ever read. Um, and I'm super, super excited to be joined by the one and only Sophie Haydock to chat all about her novel evening. So a huge hello to Sophie. Hi. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for inviting me on the podcast. Oh, thank you for coming on. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. It's a very lovely sunny day in Hackney, so I'm making the most of it. Oh, it's it's like grey here in Devon, like oh, there's, there's glimmers of it being nice. Well, you just have to make the most of a British summer, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you truly do. But obviously you've come to, to have a chat with me all about your, your debut novel, The Flames. Um, yeah. Firstly, I loved it. Oh, thank you very much. It's absolutely up there as one of my top reads for oh. this year so far, I would say. And oh, do you know, I, I didn't expect it. And I love historical fiction. I'm really intrigued by the art world. And how do I pronounce his name properly? I feel well, like <clears throat> this is a very good question. I think I was saying it wrong or thinking it wrong for a very long time. And I finally Googled it kind of just before the big promo tour began because I thought I don't want to be saying it completely wrong. And the best that I have been able to find out, it's Sheila. She Sheila. Is Sheila. And is it Egon? Egon? Egon Sheila, yes. I think... Some people, you know, if you wanted to do a really, you know, authentic pronunciation, you could say Egon, um, but I'm quite happy with Egon. Egon Sheila, I think, is is the right way for, for us to say it. So I've always been quite fascinated by his work. Um, it's grotesquely beautiful, I would say. Such it's a good disturbing. way to describe it, yeah. <laughs> some of it's very disturbing. Some of it's really <clears throat> beautiful. Um, but I think he's mm -hmm. an artist who divides opinion for <clears throat> sure right. but I yeah I picked up his book thinking oh, this this will be interesting mm -hmm. and I didn't expect to find your writing as emotional as mm -hmm. I found it and reading about the women in his life and you know the effect he had on them how did you come across this this story where did this idea come from yeah, well, I know the precise time and day and place where this uh, idea for this novel came into my mind. And it was back in January 2015, which sounds like an absolute lifetime ago. Um, but I went to the Courtauld Gallery in London to see an exhibition called The Radical Nude, um, a collection of artworks by Egon Schiele. Obviously, I was kind of intrigued by the title of the exhibition um, and it, it didn't disappoint. As soon as I walked into the gallery that day, 
um, I was just surrounded by paintings of, of naked women, self-portraits of the artist, kind of completely nude. Um, it was really, it was really energizing and it was really surprising. And there was just the, the quality of the artwork was incredible. The intensity of the emotion um, that I saw kind of staring back at me was just mind blowing. And I think there was something about being in that space that just, it kind of prompted so many questions in my mind. So for example, I was looking at this um, painting of an incredibly beautiful young woman, um, completely naked, her arm raised above her head, these kind of um, ruby pink knees and, um, this kind of lovely mass of honey blonde hair and she's got a very delicate blue ribbon in her hair almost kind of coming off the the edge of the paper and um I thought wow you know she must be she must be a lover she must be somebody that the artist is really intimate with and I looked at the you know the name of the artwork and it said Gertrude Sheila I thought oh, well maybe the artist's wife you know they share a surname and I was really surprised um, I think I must have found out afterwards that that woman was not the artist's wife but the artist's little sister and she would have been 16 or 17 when he painted um, that very intimate very tender very sensual artwork um, depicting her and it just sparked so many questions I wanted to know how she feel how she felt as she posed naked for her older brother I wanted to know how they'd ended up with that kind of relationship and that kind of intimacy and what kind of childhood might have produced um, a dynamic like that and those were the kind of questions that I was faced with in the gallery and Actually, there was one detail right at the end. Um, I found out that the artist unfortunately died very young. <laughs> I hope that's not a spoiler to anybody who's who's going to listen. Um, he famously died um, at you know only the age of twenty eight, which shocked me greatly. I had no idea that he'd um, you know lived such a short life, and I found out that he died three days after his wife, who was six six months pregnant with their first child. And I think that detail just knocked the absolute breath out of me. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't kind of comprehend the level of kind of pain that they mo both must have gone through at those kind of final days of their lives. Um, you know, this was at the end of the First World War and they both succumbed to the pandemic, the Spanish influenza pandemic. Um, I certainly at that point couldn't have imagined us living through our own pandemic just a few years later um, but really it was that detail about his wife that made me think I wanted to know more about who she was um, more about how she lived find out really more about how and why she died and um, I, I think I originally thought I'd write the book from her perspective and that I'd tell his story through her life and you know the dynamics of their relationship but very quickly I discovered that there wasn't just the wife but there was some really uh, four main muses who were just incredibly dynamic and um, I just finished reading I think uh, Mrs Hemingway by Naomi Wood which mm -hmm. is a wonderful book about the four wives of Ernest Hemingway 
And I think something just came together in my mind and I thought, okay, there's four muses. They've all got these really wonderful stories. They're all complicated. They all have complicated dynamics. Um, there was lots of betrayal. There was lots of sex, scandal, you know, all the kind of key ingredients that you need for a really uh, great novel. And, you know, the, the basics were there. And I just, I knew that if I could pull it all together, um, that, that this story really deserved to be told and shared. So that's the kind of, that's the mixing bowl that I found myself uh, in the middle of, you know, trying to, trying to kind of think, could I, could I be the one to tell this story? And could I really um, do these women justice? And, and hopefully I've, it's really nice to hear you say that you enjoyed it because. Oh, I, I truly think you did. And I think it's shocking actually that, you know, his story, their story hasn't been novelized or dramatized before because you say it's got everything, you yeah. know, tragedy and they're all, you know, young, vibrant, beautiful people living right. this wild life. And that's right. I think yeah. there are some great books, um, fictionalized accounts of the life of Egon Schiele. Um, <clears throat> and I did read as many, I think there were a couple, there's one called Arrogance by Joanna Scott, and there's one called The Pornographer of Vienna by Lewis Crofts, um, both of which are great books, but their focus was very much on the artist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there'd be a comment like, um, oh, you know, Egon, you know, left his lover, Valley, and married another woman. And this would be presented as, you know, part of the historical fact. And I, I wanted to kind of get beneath the surface and try and understand what it felt like for these women to be discarded or yeah. what it felt like for these women to be betrayed and put them into the spotlight and give them permission to um, paint a portrait of themselves and even paint a portrait of the artist for the first time. So kind of flip the, yeah. flip the dynamic. So instead of him painting them, uh, they get the opportunity to paint a portrait of him. And I think, you know, I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts on this, but he changes, you know, his character changes as you see him through different characters' eyes. So um, his sister, you know, sees him in a certain way because she's grown up with him and his lover sees him in a certain way because he's treating her quite badly. Mm. And then the sisters who are both trying to, um, you know, become his wife, you know, they, they have different perspectives on him as well. So, and I think that's what a portrait is like. It's never a true representation of somebody. Yeah. It is a kind of the, the person who's telling, the person whose perspective it's from bring so much of themselves to to the artwork or to the novel and yeah. you know as a reader you do the same you know you you wouldn't put so much of your own experience into these scenes so it's yeah I mean I buddy read it as well which was a really interesting experience mm -hmm. um with a with a fellow bookstagrammer and there were points where we'd message each other and I think I say I really don't think I like him I don't <laughs> think I like his behavior like what is yeah. he doing and then in the next moment I think actually there's a reason he is the way he is and you know he's fantastic and he's clever and witty and but he's such a complicated character in the story and I'm sure as a man he was a very complicated man he wasn't necessarily you know handsome in the technical term he was enigmatic and he drew people yeah. to him but he also you know discarded people as you've said yeah. and it makes for a very interesting reading 
Yeah, and he was a young man, you know, he was a really young man. He was, you know, undoubtedly sexually charged. Mm -hmm. Um, He was very talented. He, you know, had quite an intense childhood. Um, His father died, you know, in very difficult circumstances and he'd been very strict with the children. So, you know, I think all these things combined, you know, just meant that he had a certain intensity and I would love to have seen what might have happened to him if he'd had the privilege of living for another 50 years. You know, if he'd ended up as an old man in his um, late 70s, 80s, like other great artists, um, you know, would his art have evolved? You know, we see all these kind of really <clears throat> wonderfully charged images, the kind of angular bodies and the sharpened ribs and the, you know, all this really pretty powerful depictions of the human body um and maybe he would have mellowed you know maybe he would have um, perhaps fatherhood would have been something that I absolutely agree yeah as a father he might have just um gone in a different kind of path uh and I I would love to have seen how he would have changed and his reputation and the way that we know him today might have been completely different because he just wouldn't have been the person that you know he was at 28 that that person is kind of stuck in our memory I love it and I love how passionate you clearly are you can hear when you're talking about him about the women that this is a real passion project for you that's absolutely right yeah (laughs) and is that kind of daunting I'm guessing you're going to be working on something else is that a little daunting it is it really is and I think I felt a sadness at not spending my days with these women anymore and with these characters you know it's like losing a best friend it's like losing part of your family you know I spent the best part of five years with um, these characters and trying to put myself into their shoes trying to really experience their emotional states Um, you know whether that's delusion or jealousy or joy or you know defiance Um, I think there's so much of of me and them and them in me and then just to kind of leave them and let them go out into the world and for people to have a reaction to them was you know a kind of grief of sorts Um, and the second book interestingly is about another artist oh okay um, about the women in his life again whose stories have never been told and they're just the most incredible uh, women and they just collide in the most unexpected ways and it's been an interesting process because it's not as much of a passion project. Mm-hmm. I, I really like these characters. I really admire them. I really, you know, feel tenderly towards them. Um, but They've not sprung upon you in the same way, though. I'm guessing you weren't, you know, you weren't at the at the gallery, and all of a sudden, this idea just suddenly came that's to you. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's maybe, you know. I, I, don't, I can't I can't even equate it to anything but I just think there's something so special about your your first novel your debut you write these characters you never know if they're going to see the light of day um, you know it gives you a kind of freedom a humbleness an uncertainty a confidence um, that in your second book solidifies into something quite different um, yeah. 
you know, with the book two, it's like, I'm thinking, well, I know my agent's going to read this. I know my editor's going to read this. Oh my God, all those people on Goodreads are going to read this. The pressure is different, I guess. You have a very different different. internal audience, you know, straight away looking over your shoulder. Um, So, so it has been different, but it's, it's a real privilege to get to work on book two and to tell another story and to, to kind of engage in a in a very different world you know different artists different countries there's a little hint then oh I'm intrigued I'm very (laughs) I'm intrigued now um and I say I love the flames so whatever comes next I am here for it I'm very excited and now I feel like maybe for your novel evening there might be some art involved Yes, absolutely. There's always, there's definitely, there's definitely art involved. And I think, you know, if I'm going to have, you know, guests at a dinner party, my fancy dinner party, then there's always going to be the women, you know, they're the, they're the people I'd love to kind of sit down with, share food with, gossip with, share secrets with. Um, so yeah, that they're, they're the people I'd love to, I'd love to get to know better. Okay. Okay, so where are we going to go for your novel evening? Where are you expecting us to to visit? Well, I very much kind of thought about this novel evening with the flames in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of running through all the locations in Vienna. And there were lots of really incredible ones because Vienna at the turn of the 20th century was just this incredible place, you know, infused with art and culture and um, music. Just so much was happening at that time that it feels like a very seductive world to have been in. Um, The Habsburg Empire had reigned for close to 400 years at that point, and there was just all this wealth and elegance Um, and I I went to Vienna a couple of times for research and I was really impressed by all the beautiful museums there's the Belvedere the Albertina the Leopold this is where I go wrong see I need to be setting books that I write (laughs) in places that I can actually visit instead of making places up I need to go and I go oh do you know what that's right Tahiti Tahiti Maldives Um, Antigua that's where my character is gonna go absolutely the right call yeah that's it um but actually despite all this lovely you know the scene setting in Vienna which is just spectacular I think I'd really like to take my characters to uh, Chesky Krumlov which is a town in the southern Bohemia Bohemian region of Czech Republic and back then it was all part of you know the Austro-Hungarian Empire and it was known as Krumau um, and this is where Sheila's mother was born um, it's where he spent many of his summers as a young man and as a slightly older you know teenager he returned there with Valley um, yep. his lover who he met in the studio of Gustav Klimt and they spent time there as a way to get away from Vienna <clears throat> And it's just the most beautiful location. I I went there as part of my research trip and I was traveling there by myself and it just, it felt magical. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, very small place. It has this incredible river, the, I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly, but the Valta, it's V-L-T-A-V-A, 
black armor <laughs> i know i know i'm not saying <laughs> we're just gonna butcher all the names we're just gonna butcher just, the names. Uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> my, my way um but it has this gorgeous river that runs through it and this beautiful historic old town and a 13th century gothic castle which has bears in the moat <clears throat> you know it's just it's like it's absolutely in... gonna go right surely yeah surely it's like yeah. stepping into a fairy tale and um the studio where Egon Schiele painted is is still there and you can go and have a look around that and there's a kind of museum but I just think <clears throat> to kind of get a big table to put it out in the the old town in, in the square um, and to get everybody around it and just to you know a lovely summer's evening where it's kind of a nice temperature and somebody just keeps bringing over pictures of beautiful you know bohemian wine kind of hoppy beer and stuff like that um i think we'd have a really nice time with everyone and there'd be lots of meats and cheeses there'd be loads of yeah. meats and cheeses big huge platters everything yeah. kind of sizzling and tasty um everything would be very authentic food wise uh, quite rustic homemade yeah. bread uh, you know i can just really imagine um, everyone getting together in this way and I'm just here uh, dribbling now I'm like oh, yeah meat <laughs> cheese beer I'm like yes I see yeah. nothing wrong with any of this that's absolutely <laughs> we, we need to get there basically so so yeah that's where the location would be I think Vienna for all its beauty can be a place of you know contradictions and mm. facades and I think that's something that you know. There's something simpler about the countryside. I think pretty much wherever right. you go, you head into the country and things are generally a little simpler, a little simpler, more calmer. There's a yeah. bit more chance for, you know, revelation. And I think that's that's true. Yeah. And people relax, I think. I think you're more likely to have people relax in that environment than in a beautiful Viennan ballroom. Yeah, people would be a bit more on edge and on show. And I just, I'd like to feel like everybody's having a really nice time. And there's people are relaxing. Okay, so I am very much on board with this setting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fabulous. Who's the first person who's going to arrive? Well, to be honest, it's I have to invite all four muses. So the first person I'd love to see there is is probably his sister Gertrude, his little yeah. sister who she posed for her brother in the nude. Um, she's fiery. She's headstrong. I'd, I'd really like to sit her next to me at the table and just have a lovely chat about um, <clears throat> her childhood and get to kind of know her better and just, you know, understand her mindset. I think it's... Um, yeah. She's it's a complicated character, isn't she? She's a, she a complicated is. person. She they is. all are. They, yeah, they definitely all are. Um, but I think Gertrude in particular knows the artist with an intimacy that the other women never quite had the chance to achieve so Gertrude I think I'd love to see her away from her brother and away from everybody else and just have a bit of time to kind of catch up with her on that level yeah wouldn't it be interesting to have those four women without him present without yeah. him there to see how they engage with one another in a that's exactly the plan so <laughs> I'd also have Vali, Vali Nurtzel, who is the um, independent but poor uh, young model who we met in the studio of Gustav Klimt. Uh, Vali and I adore Klimt. As soon as I read that, yeah. he's one of my favourite artists. Oh, and... that's so nice to hear. Oh, just... Yeah, so we'd have Vali and we'd have Edith 
and Adele Harms, the kind of well-to-do sisters who lived opposite the artist in Vienna and who both kind of wanted to marry him. And I think that these four women together at a table would just be, it would just be the most magical opportunity to get them together. Um, you know, it's their stories I wanted to tell and I just give anything to get to know them, th these four women um, better. And, you know, I, I toy with the idea of whether I'd give them copies of the book. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that you know, be interesting? It really would, you know, I, I dread to think what they'd tell me or, you know, what they'd say I got right and what they'd say I'd got wrong. Um, but I just want to know if I, if they think I captured their voices, if I managed to convey what it felt like to be alive and to be yeah. in their shoes at that moment in time, you know, I, and I really, I'd want to listen to them. I'd want to hear what they... I think there'd be some drama. I think you're opening up to some some dramas at the table. I'm not. I think there'd be some fire and some I tears. Think, and... I think you're right, but I also just think that you know, imagine getting chance to observe firsthand how these <sighs> women interact. You know, whether they might be able to put their differences aside mm -hmm. and get to know each other better, and whether their jealousies might fade over the course of the meal. You know, I, I feel like these women never really got a chance to to connect. Um, they might not have become friends, but, you know, without that kind of central character of Egon Schiele, they might have got to understand each other better and they might. There's have... a lot of similarities between them, actually. There's a there lot really of is. That's right. common, common themes. And like you say, I think it'd be very cathartic. Yeah, that's right. And I think that... Um, one complicating factor is that we wouldn't speak the same language. So I would have to also invite this incredible um, American scholar called Ooh. Alessandra Camini. Um, she's in her 80s now. But in the 1960s, when she was a young student, she did some really groundbreaking work with Egon Schiele. So he, he was kind of unknown then. He hadn't really had his legacy kind of solidified at that point. He'd been um, dead for less than 50 years and his art, you know, didn't command the millions of pounds that it commands today. Um, and Alessandra Camini actually went to Vienna from America and she um, went to all the locations in and around Vienna where Sheila had been connected with. So Mühlenbach, um, Kumau, uh, you know, Tung, where he was born and where he grew up, um, beside, you know, in the station master's house alongside the railway tracks. And she photographed these locations. Oh. She saw the cell in which um, Egon Schiele was imprisoned. And she, she really curated um, his story. And most magically, she actually managed to track down two of the muses who were still alive. And wow. she, them, she interviewed them, um, she became friendly with them. So Gertrude and Adele, she, um, she spent time with them and she photographed them. Um, and she sent, me the, she sent me the recordings of their voices and it was the most wow. amazing moment. Uh, again, I couldn't understand what they were saying um, because you know I, I didn't speak the language, but I could hear 
I could hear Adele's haughtiness, even at the age of, you know, in her 70s, I could hear the kind of defiance in her voice and how she still spoke in this very, um, you know, well-to-do accent. And That's unbelievable. Um, it's really incredible. So I would really want Alessandra there as well, um, because she would act both as a translator and she'd have all this knowledge and she'd be able to ask great questions. And she's great fun. You know, she's a really uh, sparky woman. And I love women who just at whatever age in their life, they just, you know, have all this energy and very dynamic. Yeah. And it's hard because I think you forget that for Adele, that was her sister as well that she lost you know not only someone that she was perhaps in love with or at least attracted to Mm -hmm. do you wonder if Egon's work would have been as popular it had he survived if he didn't have the tragic you know the dying young and the kind of before his time would he have the same impact on the art world I I think that's a wonderful question and I think I think probably yes. I think personally that he would have held on to his um, controversial kind of edge. He always wanted to shock. Uh, He always wanted to disrupt the status quo and to kind of reveal hypocrisies as he saw them. And I believe that he would have continued to challenge. So it's interesting. Uh, uh, Funnily enough, I occasionally chat to Tracy Emin because she follows my Egon Sheila's Instagram account I mean she just messages a couple of little things about some of the artworks I post yeah and um her theory is that he would have um at the end of the first world war if he'd survived he and his wife would have gone to America um Mm. she thinks you know, this is her, her her theory. She thinks that he would have moved to New York after the First World War and potentially that he might have become a minimalist and he might have been creating very simple works, um, you know, and just really stripped back everything. And we might have seen something that just, again, might have changed the face of 20th century art. And I just love this idea of what, what you know, talented artists today done and which direction they think he might have gone in so I could see him as like an 80 90 year old man painting painting nudes of himself still (laughs) you know in defiance I could see him still still making those paintings you know absolutely right yeah I think he would have continued to break 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 boundaries and shock uh, he just might have found new ways to do it that were a bit more mature. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got our, our four muses um, and we've got our, our guest who's going to translate for us. Is there anyone else joining us? Yeah. Do you know what? There really is. There's a couple of men. Uh, okay. One okay. Of which I think uh, would be Sigmund Freud. Uh, he, of course, is the founder of psychoanalysis and he was yeah. working in Vienna around the turn of the 20th century. And in 1905, he published his groundbreaking essays about the theories of sexuality and the psyche. And for that reason, I think he'd be great to have at the table, just because he might help us unpack some of the dynamics at play. He'd have some thoughts about Gertrude, (laughs) I feel like. (laughs) He really would. He'd help us get to the bottom of their very complicated, intimate relationship. And um, I think he'd 
you know, he'd ask everybody what they dreamt and how they felt about their mothers and their fathers. And I think we'd end up having this incredible kind of discussion as everybody revealed aspects of themselves that they might not. It would make for some interesting conversation, wouldn't it? (laughs) It really, really would, especially for a writer. I'd be there taking all these notes as everybody spills their secrets. Um, So I think we need him at the table. And then if we're being really, um, you know, if we're we're asking for what we want, I think also Gustav Klimt would be there. you know, he's, as you say, he's this fantastic Austrian artist. Most people have heard of him, I think. Um, he's really famous for The Kiss, which is that yeah. beautiful painting. It's the of- colours for me. Oh. I don't think I'll ever get bored of yeah. just the colours and the gold. And there's something really luxe about his paintings as well. That's a good word. That's absolutely yeah. right. It's all the gold leaf. It's all the kind of symbolism the kind of tenderness of these people. And it was shocking, wasn't it? For that that image to be painted right. and brought out and was just, I mean, it's, so many people have copies of it as well and reproductions yeah. of it. It's so famous, isn't it? It's and so famous. And Egon Schiele really admired this man. You know, he was 30 years older than Egon Schiele. He was a very prominent, very admired, acclaimed artist uh, working in Vienna at that time. And they, they developed a really, you know, a really powerful relationship, kind of mentor. Yeah. Um, I think Egon Schiele saw him as something as a mentor. And um, there's a lovely scene in the book, which did actually happen, where a kind of teenage Egon Schiele uh, went to Gustav Klimt's studio and asked him very nervously, you know, he showed him his drawings and said, do I have talent? You know, is art something I should pursue? And Klimt kind of looked through all these drawings that this young boy had brought him and almost laughed and said yes you know much too much you have you have talent and I think of that kind of scene playing out and what it must have done for young Egon Schiele Um, and also to have for lack of a better term to have the balls as a young teenager to go to someone who's your hero with your work and knock on their door and show them is just he must have had that's right fades of confidence that I don't think a lot of young people had in themselves that's that's really true confidence is definitely the right word to describe Egon Schiele um (sighs) so so he'd be there and was actually one other person that I'd I'd really like to see who is um another muse who really doesn't isn't one of the main four muses um but it's Tatiana von Mossig who was the girl who basically meant that Egon Schiele ended up in prison. Yes. She was a young girl of perhaps 14 years old who Egon Schiele encountered in Nulenkbach, which is a small town where he uh, went to escape Vienna and have a bit of time to paint and relax and then, you know, indulge in the finer, calmer side of life. And Tatiana was the daughter of a kind of distinguished colonel in this small provincial town. And when Tatiana went missing overnight, Sheila was accused by her father of kidnap and seduction. And this was a very serious charge. And it meant that he ended up in a prison cell stripped of his dignity and his liberty. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he always maintained that he did nothing wrong, uh, but still the case went to court and a judge actually burnt one of Egon Schiele's explicit drawings in the middle of the courtroom. And that was a very dramatic moment. Um, And I think it's interesting because this, you know, this experience had a huge impact on Egon Schiele and that's all very well documented, but I'd really love to properly hear Tatiana's side of the story you know what was her relationship with Sheila Um, did he draw her how does she feel about that did he behave in a way that was respectful Um, and she's a very important character and I'd love to get to know her better and to kind of hear her side of events and the the charges of seduction and kidnap were dropped Mm -hmm. Um, but the charges of uh, Sheila showing explicit drawings or letting children see yeah. explicit drawings in his home was upheld so um, you know this was a very these these are matters that are very complicated yeah. and I just and he was was he very naive and did he kind of you know have these relationships with you know girls that he absolutely shouldn't have was he kind of aware that he was playing with fire and you know perhaps hoping on his reputation that he would be able to maintain that and nothing would happen it's a really interesting and to hear her like you say her side we were all 14 year olds 15 year old young girls once who thought we knew best (laughs) have spent time with people that we should have known better and you're at that funny cusp where you think you're an adult you think you're grown up and you can make grown-up decisions and actually you can't you're still a child it's a very strange time I'd really you know if an artist had come to me at 14 15 a famous shocking artist would I have said yeah I'm gonna get painted yeah exactly my parents will hate this of course I'll do it you gravitate (laughs) towards anything that is forbidden anything that is seen as dangerous or you know and I think uh I think I'd love to to get her to get her input because yeah and of course my life was a lot freer than I imagine a lot of young women you know in that time would have had it was it just the law of of something that was so shocking that's right you know was it just you know people get themselves like you say into complicated relationships complicated situations without thinking about it too much you know I think you know suddenly you end up in you know something that you don't necessarily want to be in and you don't quite know how it happened and I just think that happens to everybody you know there's less conscious decision making going on than than we might think a lot of the time Mm. I would that would be so fascinating Mm. that would be so interesting to to hear her her side of what happened yeah um again whether you're whether it's the truth or whether it's how she perceived things would be really interesting and I think this question of the truth is fascinating you know just we have these four characters and the truth shifts depending on you know who's whose version you're getting and you know delusion was an important part of this novel how memory shifts how memories betray us how our own version of reality doesn't always um you know isn't always actually what happened and I think that's the themes that I feel very passionately about Mm. just you know especially in a world where you know fake news and everything else everything can be contested everybody's kind of grappling to say that um somebody else's truth isn't true or their truth is the only truth it's just it's fascinating to try and get that down on 
And wouldn't it be interesting if you've got Klimt and you've got these four women, you've got Tatiana, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've got one episode in his life to see how they all saw that moment. How did they all actually perceive him in that time or in what happened? And Mm -hmm. because I guarantee they'll all have different, different views on the same event. Oh yeah, that's right. And what is forgivable for one person Mm. isn't for another, Um, you know, so, so hopefully there wouldn't be any scrapping at the table. I don't want to see anybody having a fist fight or, you know, (laughs) No, hopefully hopefully not. No, I think there'll be some heart to hearts. There might be some tears. That's right. That's what I'd like to see, you know, some real, some real connection and some real kind of, uh, yeah, some real intimacy between these, between these characters, between these women in particular. Yeah. And is there anybody who you really don't want to show up? Yeah, Egon Sheila. Yeah, I was going to say, you obviously, that would... I'm very... (laughs) That yeah, would really I would like to alter say it everything. I'd it? love to. It would. It absolutely would. And it would all be about him. And I think he's had enough time in the limelight. And I think it's now, you know, the chance for these women to have a bit of time to themselves and have a bit of time for their stories to be heard um, without him taking up you know all the all the glory and all the attention I don't think he could help himself actually could he I don't think he knows any other way yeah, than to be just dominate, you know he'd be a mansplainer he'd be talking over everyone he'd be eating all the food you know he's just a a typical a typical man we'd we'd <laughs> we'd, we'd leave him to make other arrangements I think I think if he was to show up, maybe Freud could just take him off for a bit. Yeah. And go and delve into his brain. Go and, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, hit another bar in town. But yeah, that's yeah. right. We'd we'd keep the table free free of him. Uh, do you know what? It's a, it's a fabulous evening. And I love the reasons you've given for the guests that you've got there. And I think it would be <laughs> so full of some very, very interesting and deep conversations. Um, I would just sit and watch and eat cheese. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And play no part in what's happening. I would just keep pouring take wine notes, and take listening. Notes, take notes. Yeah, that's right. that's right. Oh, I love it. Thank you very much for sharing. And it's actually Pleasure. a really interesting uh, insight into the book as well. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, with a book like this, I, I feel like the book was quite long. It was 120,000 words. Um, you know, some people say they read it in one sitting or they just kind of whiz through it very quickly because they feel like it's, you know. Oh, I've read it so quickly. And I think the fact that you, you're breaking it down into kind of the four perspectives. Yeah. It didn't feel like this big opus because. That's right. Yeah. It, you're, you're it doesn't feel as much. You're absolutely yeah. right. But um, there's so many more stories you could tell and there's so many yeah. more ways in which you could link these women and interweave these stories so um, I could perhaps end up writing you know book two about <laughs> the bits I couldn't I couldn't put in the first you couldn't fit in that yeah. and speaking of of books and of, of reading yes. are you reading anything at the moment I'm reading a really interesting book or well I'm about to start reading it it's called The Chosen by Elizabeth Lowry um you're going to be seeing this everywhere because it's actually um well it is actually already out um and I have been seeing lots of lovely you know post about it on Twitter and Instagram and news of it um it's about Thomas Hardy who uh was in quite a complicated relationship with his wife and after her death um 
you know everybody thinks he's going to be relieved that she died that she died and in fact he discovers some of her diaries and it makes him completely reassess who she was and who he was and um you know so again it's based on on a real character a real yeah. creative person who actually lived um but elizabeth has kind of you know done what i've done and kind of breathed life into these characters and kind of made um you know leaps of imagination around how they lived and what their dynamics might have been um, and i'm actually going to be appearing alongside elizabeth at the cheltenham festival in october so we're both going to be paired and talking about our book so um, it's a really nice opportunity yeah. to to get to know hers better and to oh incredible I actually I was born and I grew up in in Hardy country I lived wow. very close to Max Gate and I know woefully little about him <laughs> I also I live in the hometown of Agatha Christie I have wow. never read one um it's 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 mortifying really so I know you know I know that Hardy had some complex relationships with women yeah that's about all I know. So I am really fascinated by the little snippet that you've just explained there. So I will yeah. definitely check that out. Uh, That's right. I want I, to know more. And I want to hear you guys. I don't know if they'll be doing it online this year, whether you'll be able to hear you guys. Yeah, that's a good online. question. I'm not sure if they will, but... Um, but yeah, it should be... A, a, it's just so nice that events are starting up again, you know. Hay Festival, I was at Hay in June, and that was just amazing to have everyone together. And I went to loads of events the next day and saw Bernadine Evaristo and Kate Moss and, you know, all these kind of wonderful writers. And just to be back in that kind of living, breathing space yeah. in which people are um, together again is such It's a, a nice balance now, I think, because I think a lot of the events are online still, which is great for people who can't get there, but they're also happening. So I think it's nice right, that they're yeah. accessible in all forms now, which I think is great. I hope that continues, you know, that, that kind of hybrid, you know, if you want to come online, you can, if you want to come in person, the Women's Prize did it really well this year, you know, yeah. they, they did both and that's hopefully something that will continue. Oh, absolutely. So if anyone can get to Cheltenham, yeah, uh, I'm going to be checking <laughs> out. Come and come and have a listen. Um, and thank you. This has honestly been such a joy. Uh, the thank Flames you, was Jenny. fantastic. So yeah. I'm ready for book two. No pressure. Oh, yeah, no pressure. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. But yeah, thank you so All much. Pressure. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Danny. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.